Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, starts out with this. It says, and further submit, everybody say submit, to one another. Say one another. Not, not just you to me, not just you to me, but me to you, to one another. Now, that's easy for us to grasp, but then we're going to look at the context, and he's going to be talking about family. The context is family. So it says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And he says this, for wives this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. Husbands that love their wives don't abuse their wives. Husbands that love their wives don't abuse their wives. I knew that would get everybody excited. Anyway, so for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So, he continues to go on down through the talking about various relationships in Ephesians 6. He talks about parents and kids, kids and parents. And so, one of the things I want you to see, that one of the reasons why, you know, family is such a big deal, is that family was God's idea from the very beginning. You know, the very first relationship that was created was the relationship that, uh, that we have with God, but then the second uh, relationship was one you have with your spouse. And so, it, so, number one is this, to get this, number one is that God uses family to tell his story. He uses family to tell his story. In other words, in how we love each other, when he starts out by, he says, submit to one another. In other words, what that really means is tend to each other's needs. Serve each other's needs. You know, our, our natural inclination, I know mine is, is to think about, are my needs being met? Is everything happening to me that I want to have happen? But he said, as Christians, as Christ followers, that his design for family is not that I'm thinking about are my needs met, but my thoughts are, how can I meet your needs? That we tend to each other's needs. And then he begins to talk about marriage. And in it, he talks about how it's, you know, that it's kind of a reflection of our relationship with Christ or the, or the Lord's relationship with the church, that we love each other, we respect each other, we honor each other, and we, and we do those kind of things. But it's a picture of the church, you know, we, uh, we're getting ready to do Awaken um, in a few weeks, uh, probably about a month. Um, and it's, you know, we'll, we'll talk to men about, you know, their role and their responsibility. And one of the reasons why that's so important is because oftentimes how we conduct ourselves as men is, uh, has an impact on the way our kids and those around us see God. If we're distant, if we keep ourselves away, if if we're not very forgiving and we're not very merciful and we're incredibly judgmental, 
And that shapes the way our kids see God and they tend to view him that way. On the other hand, even though we have boundaries, if we're still loving and even though we're truthful but we're merciful, we're full of grace and truth, that gives a picture of what God the Father is like. And so family is such an important thing. It's, it's the most important evangelistic tool that God has given. More important than the church. It's, it's, it's the most important evangelistic tool that there is. And so God's called us to do that. It's, you know, you have more time with your family than you do any other entity in your life. And so God uses it to tell his story of grace, of forgiveness, of the things that took place, of relationship. And so he does that. So number one, if you're taking notes, is this, is that God used family to tell his story. Number two, go with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy 6. That's in the Old Testament. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6. Now, Moses wrote this book, and God's telling him what to say here. And so in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, he says this. He said, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you, commit your, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So he said, look, man, he said, you've got to love God with everything you have. But then he goes on to say, he said, commit yourselves wholeheartedly. He said, he said repeat them again and again. Everybody say, repeat them. And then they say, again and again. He said, repeat them again and again to your children. In other words, he said over and over again that one of the ways that we create a legacy is that we tell our children over and over again, we repeat them over and over again. He goes on to say, um, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So he was letting us know, again, it's the great commandment to love God with everything that we have. It's, that's the great commandment. The second one's like it, to love our neighbor as ourself. But the great one is to love God with everything we have. And he said, not only do we need to know that, but he said, we need to teach our children that. And he said, repeat it over and over again. And, and he gave various ways, like, you know, when you sit down, talk about it. When you get up, talk about it. Put it on your doorpost as you're leaving, on your doors you're leaving, on your doorpost as you come in. Put it on your hand and your forehead so you carry it with you wherever you go. So he's saying, like, Look for opportunities in every moment of our day, every season, every chance we get to, to just focus our kids on the things that matter most, on the thing that matters most, and that's loving God with everything we have. And again, to help them understand this, that Jesus didn't come because humanity needed another religion. Jesus came so that we could have a relationship with him, receive forgiveness of our sins, and have a relationship with the Father. And so that's why he came, and so... Over and over again to tell our kids, a lot of things matter, but the most important thing is your relationship with God. And so in creating a legacy, we do that. Now, again, let me just say this. We start talking about things involving kids, we run into a few issues. I know some of you in here don't have kids yet. Some of you want to have kids, don't have them yet. Some of you, the thought of having kids makes you nauseous. You don't want to have kids. And, but here's the thing is, I think everybody that we, has contact with kids, and I think part of the calling on our life as Christ's followers, is, is to, you know, I mean, Jesus takes it very personally how we treat children. That's not a small thing to him. 
And so even if we don't have kids, we're still called to be good to them. We're still called to be loving to them, to, you know, to just minister into their life. And so you have a voice and a presence somewhere in somebody's life. And so part of creating a legacy, a huge part of creating a legacy, is how we conduct ourselves and how we teach our kids when given opportunities. I thought it'd be kind of cool. Now, and let me say this again. As I said this before, but I'm going to reiterate this again, and I'm going to reiterate it again later. As we begin to talk about this, I can deal with the same thing. I began to think about missed opportunities where I failed as a parent or that kind of thing. And, man, the devil will rob me of this moment. But we've all blown it. There have been times we haven't been as good a parent as we should be, haven't been as patient as we should be. And let's just receive God's goodness and his forgiveness and make a turn right now. And then even though we've endeavored to be good parents, our kids still make their own decisions, still make their own choices. And so sometimes we, you know, we view that as a failure on our part, and we just need to keep loving our kids and encourage them to do the things they want. But I thought it'd be good to share with you just some things that our staff does, some of our staff does, in order to create legacy in their family. So I'm going to show you some pictures here, if you could show the first one. This is a Brace family. It's always a mystery to me why David could look like he does, and he has such a nice-looking family. I don't get it, but, but anyway... So I asked, what, what did you guys do? And they said when their kids were growing up, that one of the things they did, they went to church on Sunday. It was kind of what they did. It's kind of like kind of the same role we had. And David did something kind of cool. And I don't know why my father didn't think about this. He made like chocolate chip pancakes on Sunday morning. And so, yeah, man, praise God, right? I mean, who doesn't want to go to church and get chocolate chip pancakes, you know? I was gypped as a kid. Anyway, I just got a whipping if I didn't go. Anyway, so, so uh, and then uh, when they would give, they would tithe. They taught and modeled that with their kids. They showed them this is how we give. And they prayed scriptures over them, and, and they told them about their family and, and the role that they played in the relationship. So that's them. Look at this next picture. That right there is, you guys are familiar with Christine, and that's her, her new husband, Timmy. I mean, she didn't have an old husband, but that's the husband she has now. And, so, um, um, and that's Timmy's family, and so they got married in the last, last year. And so they're, they're kind of starting out, but they said they pray every morning together with their dog, Oakley. So I guess Oakley's a Christian, but um, <laughs> before heading out the door, your, your, your pet should be saved. Anyway, so before heading out the door, they sit in church uh, with their family. Oakley's not there, but they sit in church with their family any chance they get, and they imagine they'll do these things and more once they have babies. So I thought that was cool. Here's this next one. This is Alex and Gabby. Gabby's our, she's our social media person, and so they just had a new little boy right there. If you can see him, and that, the oldest one's Raylan, and that's Alex as the dad. And so she said this, that we think it's really important to grow up at church. She said her and Alex both experienced this as kids. Their parents were heavily involved in multiple ministries, meaning they were up at the church constantly. They try also to do that with their kids. That's true, man. I've seen them around here. It's important to be involved in the lives of others in the church and support the church. They started singing Christian songs like Jesus Loves Me at bedtime. Uh, uh, the songs Jesus Loves Me, and they did that at bedtime from the time Raylan was a baby. Now, those songs he constantly requests before bedtime, and they also read Bible stories before bed and pray before bed. So here's the next, um, show the next picture. This is the McCombs family. That's Leanne. She's our church counselor. This is her family. And so this is what they did. When the kids were little, they, they would have family Bible time, time uh, as often as they could after supper. Church attendance was mandatory as long as they lived at home. They tried to explain the whys behind the standards and, and uh, the expectations of God's word so they could learn about it. Questions were always welcome. They prayed over decisions 
and uh, they showed that to their kids. They tried to demonstrate that obeying the Lord was their number one priority and prayed they would continue that model. So that's that family. Let's look at the next one. That's the Blunt family. Stacey's wearing a Cleveland Browns shirt, which up until this week was one of my favorite teams. I, I hate the Browns now. So anyway, but <laughs> yeah, so, so it says that uh, they said they pray before meals and before bed. And their praying has, has evolved with a unique twist. <laughs> when they prayed, uh, the, the, when Nick and Stacy pray, um, uh, that after they get through praying with the boys, that they've developed this thing that when they get through praying, they clap. One clap. It reminded me of football. You know, like they'd say like, okay, twins left, 32 give on one. Ready? Crack, you clap. Well, that's where they go, Jesus, do this. Ready? Amen. Break. And so they would, they would just, but they said the boys love it, and it's something that's become part of what we do as a family. So they've incorporated that to create a memory and stir something up with it. So I thought it was pretty cool. Show the next one. This is a Shaw family. Yeah. Yeah. Been with their 17 kids. And so... Um, <laughs> all of them are smiling but Aaron and uh, so they pray together every day during dinner each day they choose someone else to lead the prayer in other words some you know that just kind of goes around something they pray over specific things in their lives and create situations and give thanks for everything he's done and I'll say this they didn't put this down but their kids serve with them I see their kids down here serving a lot with them and they do that I think it's pretty good so they're creating a legacy in their family with that let's look at the next one that's the Capels, Mike and Katie, and Cade, and, um, and so one of the things that they do is that Katie, Cade, and Pastor Mike pray together every morning. They take turns leading that. Everybody gets a chance to lead it. And then on Wednesday nights, before the Wednesday night service, they'll ask Cade, the little boy, to pray for the student experience every Wednesday. In other words, Cade, we want you to pray that kids will get, that students will get their hearts touched. And, um, and then they give him small ways to serve, like straightening the reserve seating signs for the student section, helping tear down on Wednesday nights, that type of thing. So I thought that was pretty cool. Show the next one. What an incredibly attractive family. I don't know. <laughs> Look how happy that guy looks right there. I mean, he looks... He's <laughs> probably suffering. Anyway, um... <laughs> so we would... There'd be some things we did was that we call it a declaration, but when we would take our kids to school, my job allowed me to give me the opportunity to take them to school, so I would ask them every morning on the way to school, who are you? And they would say, I'm quick, I'm smart, I'm bright, I'm rich, I'm sharp, I'm good looking, and I'm a major blessing. And so they would say that over and over again, and we'd have them make that declaration. I would pray with them. Some, you know, we'd, we'd listen to like Christian music on the way to school or we're going to places. Um, and I asked, you know, I asked David, Daniel, and I asked you all three to tell me some things. Um, we'd bring them in a room and pray over our tithe together. When we're getting ready to give, sometimes I'd, we'd bring them in, and we would, together as a family, we would pray over it when they were little. Um, we'd pray together at night. Go in there at night, or I'd sing to them, and um, that probably created many painful memories. But um, <laughs> I'd read different books, like I might read some C.S. Lewis and that type of thing. Before we start thinking about mere Christianity, it was more like Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe stuff. But... Um, we even did this one thing, I don't know if they remember this, but went over the Ten Commandments. I don't know if you remember that, Ashley, went over the Ten Commandments, but you said it's kind of weird. Why The Ten Commandments, even though we're not under the law, it said something about God's character. Like, why would he not want us to have nobody, nothing before him, nothing in front of him? Why, you know, have no gods before me? You know, or why would he want you to honor your parents? Or why would he not want you to bear false witness? 
about somebody? What does that say about his character? And so we would do things like that. Um, I'd have them serve with me, not just, you know, back then when we were in New Mexico, but even when we got here, <laughs> they would go with me to do different things. One time, man, we were handing out Easter door hangers, and it was like 18 degrees outside. And so I was alone with the driver's license, so I got to drive the church van around the neighborhood in the warmth when my kids were out and like sub-zero wind chill factor hanging door hangers on there. Do you remember that precious moment? <laughs> I would also like, when we had, back then if we had first time guests, I'd go drop off visitor bags. And usually it was like a one minute thing, I'd drop a bag off and go. But one time we were going to do something, and so they went with me, and the person just insisted that I come into their house. They would be offended if I didn't. So I went in their house, and the kids were with me, and they were there so long that they were thinking about walking home, and some neighbor came and knocked on the window, and it was kind of like, are you guys, have you guys been abducted? I mean, what's going on here? That type of thing. So they have many great memories like that. But, um, but then, and then also one of the things we do is we, they went to church. We went to church every week. It's how we created a legacy. So that's part of that. And I'll show you this right here. This is Jake and Ashley and their four kids. And, um, and so they do, like, they do their own declaration with their kids now. And, and I know Jake will sing to them. Ashley, they'll pray with them and that kind of thing. They take them to church, make sure they serve. And I thought this was pretty cool. How old, were, how old was June here? She's seven. They made sure that at seven she had her own tattoo. I thought that was kind of cool. So um, <laughs> thank you, buddy. So... Um, but so they'll pray with them, sing songs, and, and uh, serve with them, and, and, um, and they're a part of what goes on here, and, and, just, and so they're creating more of a legacy. Um, that, let's show the next one. This is from last weekend. I saw this picture at first. It, looks like, it looked like uh, First Baptist, um, but it's not. It's a church actually in Texas. Our oldest son, David, and his wife, Kyla, were out of town. They were visiting some family down in San Antonio, and he just took a picture to show me they were in church, and I thought that was pretty cool that it's, still, it's part of their value, part of who they are, that on Sunday we go to church. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then this picture right here, that's uh, Dan, our middle son, Daniel. He and his wife live in Amarillo. And so um, he works for the railroad. He's a conductor there. And they go to church, and this was a picture. They had their little boy, Callan. They dedicated him here, but they also they have a local church that they go to, which we, we think that's important. And that's a picture of their table that, when he was getting ready to be dedicated to the Lord in, um, uh, in their church. And I just thought it was so cool. I say I like to say that the cool thing about it is as we work on creating a legacy within our family, that then we begin to see them creating the same legacy. Now, let me just tell you this. I said this about marriage a few weeks ago. And I say the very first two words, marriage is, and if you're a Princess Bride fan, you'll be tempted to say lovely. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that marriage Marriage is hard. That doesn't mean it's not good. And for some of you, maybe it's not hard, but for the rest of us, it's hard. You got two people coming together that are kind of used to doing their own thing, and, and you know, they begin to become an us, and it becomes a great challenge. And then you throw kids into the mix, not to mention my own insecurities, my own struggles, my own challenges, and I marry a person, they have insecurities, struggles, and challenges, and then we create people that have you know, struggles and challenges and insecurities. And so you put all that in together, and, and the truth of the matter is, again, anytime I talk about parenting, I never want to come across that my kids were perfect or that we were perfect, because that's not the case. I can't tell you how many times that whenever I get a call from the school, I knew it was one of two things. Either one of my three kids had left something there 
or Daniel was in trouble. I mean, it was one, it was one or the other. If it was the office, if it was one of the ladies, they basically like, hey, Ashley left something home, she needs you to pick it up, or Dave left something home, he's or Daniel. But if I heard the principal's voice, he didn't even have to tell me which kid it was. I knew. Hey, yeah, Daniel's down here, and he got in a fight with a kid at class. Or Daniel's down here, and they were on a field trip, and there were no restrooms, so he went behind a tree, and one of the neighbors saw him. So, I mean, so you just have, you have those moments. You have those moments. I remember when, um, when you know, Ashley, who, who just as long as, as long as she could think for herself, she's had a call to the ministry. She knew she had a call to the ministry, and, and she loved serving in church. Whether I was there or not, she loved to serve and be a part of it. And when you're ready to start Cedar Point, she was just so excited about it. And I never forget, though, the day that this girl had such a call in her life that at 17, she came to me, and, and I knew that her and Jake had been dating. And she came and she said, you know, Jake, you know, Jake and I are going to get married. And I said, okay, well, like, you know, like you're after college, what are you thinking like, you know, that type of thing. And she said, no, um, in December. And I'm like, like of what year? And she said, this year. And I'm like, you understand you're still in high school. Do you get that? I don't know if that makes any sense to you. She goes, yeah, but we love each other. And I, you know, and I was like, I don't know if I told her this, but I know I thought that. And I'm like, this is like one of the stupidest conversations I've had in my lifetime. <laughs> and sadly, it's not with somebody else's kid. It's with mine. And so I'm like, I, I don't think you really want to get married while you're in high school. It's not like this is Arkansas or anything. I mean, you know. <laughs> and I said, you guys are going to have babies someday. And I promise you, you won't look at that baby and go, I sure hope you're married before you graduate high school. <laughs> but if you know my daughter, um, she, she, loves, she loves me. We have a great relationship. But she felt like this was what she was supposed to do. So I kind of knew I had one of two choices. Well, I had one of three choices. One is not go to the wedding. That was one of the options I had. Two is go to the wedding. Three is hire somebody to kill Jake. And so, <laughs> do you know how much people charge to want to kill somebody? And they wouldn't let me post data check, so I knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and I said, don't talk to Jake. And, I mean, I did everything but threaten to whip him. And so, now they're going to get married, so we're going to, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to be a part of this, part of her journey. And at that time, I was like, I think this is really dumb. But when she turns 18, it's going to be her call and that kind of thing. So, now, even though I would still think it's dumb to get married in high school, the choice that she made, the guy that she married, I couldn't have picked better for her if I was picking myself. You know, I mean, just a good man. He is. He loves her. He loves my kids. I love my daughter, but, man, she's a lot. And so, um, <laughs> right, don't answer that question. Anyway, so, but, you know, we... You know, as a parent, you go through those seasons with your kids, and, you, and sometimes, you know, they're making really bad decisions, or sometimes you think they're making a decision that this is going to make their life harder. I mean, you can just feel like a failure as a parent. You know, what, what have I done wrong? You know, what's the thing? I, I think about Daniel, you know, he went through a season 
of just some real challenge and real trying times. And I thought, man, you know, where, where do we miss it? Where do we fail? So I, I say that again just to, to all of you that are out there. When we start thinking about creating a legacy, it's not an event. It's not like you cross the finish line and there you are, it's done. No, man, it is a journey that you are committed to. It is one of those things that it's full of mercy. It's full of truth. And let me tell you something, too, while we're at it. It's full of mercy for them, too, because they get to experience us growing as parents. If Ashley were up here, there'd be stories that she could tell and how. And some of them she tells, I think she exaggerates them a little bit about throwing french fries on her or something. But anyway, but it just, it is one of those things that it's just, that it just, we're just committed. And the enemy tries to tell us that we failed, so our voice has lost its significance. That we failed, and so, you know, that, let's just give up now. Don't underestimate the power of your voice in their life even after they leave their home. If your, love is filled, if, your, if your voice is filled with the love of God and it's got mercy in it, then you can sprinkle it with truth because they still need to hear that. But in order to create a family legacy, you have to do this. Number two is this. You have to teach your kids what matters most repeatedly. Over and over again. They're going to make a lot of decisions. They're going to go through a lot of seasons in their life. They're going to make mistakes just like you did, just like I did when I was their age. They're going to make mistakes when they get older and have their own families, just like you did and just like I did. In every season of their life. And they need that one steady voice, as God's voice, but also your voice as you go along. That's there to remind them that you're with them, that you're in it for the long haul, and that God has a great plan for them. I look at Daniel, the one that, you know, I think about this now, that we used to get that phone call every week, but now, you know, he worked, he's a conductor at the railroad in, in Amarillo, and he's, but they go to church, and, and even though they give to their own church, they still give to this church regularly because he feels like this is forever part of his heritage. And he's the kid that I used to think, I was like, I don't know, I don't know if he'll, I don't know. I say that about our kids, not because they're perfect, not because they made mistakes. Don't think for a minute you'd come up and tell me something's going to surprise me about something bad they did. They've already broken all of that. But we create a legacy by speaking the truth in there and to continue to be an example, not just at church, but in every day of our life when we sit down, when we sit down and when we rise up, when we, when we, when we leave, when we, when we come back in, and we do that, we create that legacy. So number two is this. Is teach your kids what matters most repeatedly. Look at number three, and we'll close with this. Go with me, if you would, to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. Joshua's in the Old Testament. It's the sixth book of the Old Testament. Joshua 24, verse 14. And Joshua had taken Moses' place, and he's coming towards the end of his life, so he's standing in front of the people of God, and he's presenting a challenge to them. He says this, 
So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? So Joshua understood this, that we're going to serve something. Our hearts are going to be committed someplace. And he said, you get to choose. You can choose the things that you grew up with. Some of you grew up in pain and addiction and disappointment and all of those kind of things, just betrayal. And that could be what you choose to serve. He said, or you could choose the gods in the land that you currently live in. You could let culture be the loudest voice in your life. But culture is not a dependable voice. What culture says is right and wrong changes every generation. And the problem with the voice of culture is that because we see it and hear it every day, we become, it becomes so familiar that we think it's safe, that we think it's okay. But he said, you can serve that. Or he said this. He said, or, or we'll be the God in the Amorites in whose land you live. But he said, but as for me, everybody say me. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now, I think it's interesting. He started with himself. He didn't say, as for my family. I see people do that sometimes, man. They make sure their kids are at church. They drop their kids off. They make sure that they get to go to every event. But they stay home. They don't show up. And I'm not saying that to create any judgment or condemnation. Please, I don't want you to feel any shame. But I do want to challenge you. If, that, if that's who you've been, I want to challenge you. And let's, let's awaken to God's plan for us. So Joshua started with himself. In other words, I'll be the tone setter in my home. Not because he was perfect. Not because he re was religious. But because of this relationship he had with God. That he was going to seek and surrender and follow the heart of God as much as he could. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The third thing is if you're going to create a family legacy, then you have to choose to lead the way to set the tone. You lead the way. I need to lead the way to make a decision. That if my kids, that you know, the first one that they ever went to church with was me. The first one they ever served with was me. They didn't have to look at somebody else to see how you worship. They could see me worship. The way they learned how to respond to mistakes is they watched me. Because not only did they see me apologize to other people, they heard me apologize to them and ask them to forgive me in the times that I blew it. And brother, let me tell you something. There were lots of those times. So they learned how to forgive by dealing with me. Because it's what God's called us to do. It's who he's called us to be. As for me and my family. So we set the tone. We make a decision to do that. You make a decision to do that. And you create a legacy. It's it kind of wild that um, Jake got Ashley one of those ancestry, 23andMe, or I'm okay, you're okay, genetic thing. What, whatever it is anyway. So whatever that is. Which, which was it? Ancestry? Okay. And so she got, was it yesterday, got the results back? And it was kind of cool. One of the guys that was, is her great, 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 great grandfather is a guy named George Ross. And I thought it was so cool. He was actually a representative of Pennsylvania 
back during the revolution, and he, had, he signed the Declaration of Independence. His, his, his nephew, whose last name was Ross, married a lady named Betsy, who was Betsy Ross. And so that's part of our heritage and our legacy as a family. Here's even what's more cool. His father was a pastor. And so you think about that generationally. On the one hand, you, you know, I think about that because I, I love this country. It's not perfect, but I, I'm grateful to be here. But even greater than that, that the legacy that his dad, whether he was the beginner of it or just somebody that was continuing to carry it, that way back there in our history was somebody that was telling people about Jesus. Little did he know that hundreds of years later that he and Beth family continuing to do that. Legacy matters. It matters. We have a race to run. We don't run it alone. We run it with people. We encourage them. We love them along the way. Sometimes they'll fall. Sometimes in our brokenness, we may trip them. Sometimes we'll fall. We're called to help each other up and to encourage each other to continue to run the race that God has called us to run with Jesus being a part of that. And that's what creates legacy. It doesn't happen on accident. It happens with intention. Let's do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute.